Through their investment in the Minnesota Corn Checkoff, corn growers are fueling research and initiatives that build a more sustainable future for farmers and all Minnesotans. The Minnesota Corn Podcast introduces you to the individuals who are shaping future ag practices, identifying new markets, and promoting agriculture with the non-farming public. Our guest for this episode is Tim Griffiths, a professor in the Department of Soil, Water, and Climate at the University of Minnesota, who discusses research funded by Minnesota Corn. Tim, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. We're going to be talking about some recently completed research and also previewing some work that you're going to be doing this year. So let's start with uh, a recap of a study that was funded in part by the Minnesota Corn Growers. And uh, we'll get to the results, but but set us up first. Kind of give us the the platform here as far as what you were aiming to accomplish with this study and how you went about it. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Mark. Um... Uh, one of our objectives uh, has been to figure out ways that we can um, lower the amount of synthetic nitrogen that's being added to agricultural systems, um, because one of our concerns is the increasing amount of nitrous oxide that's entering the atmosphere uh, each year. Um, and nitrous oxide is an important uh, gas Um it is a, uh, a very potent greenhouse gas. It's about 265 times uh, more effective than carbon dioxide, for example. It's a greenhouse gas. Um, but it also, very importantly, um, it is implicated in the, de- the destruction of stratospheric ozone, um, that protective ozone layer uh, that prevents us um, from being affected by U- UV radiation. Um, and so it's sort of a double whammy gas. And we would like to come up with management solutions that, while maintaining uh, agricultural productivity, we can also uh, lower some of these uh, reactive nitrogen emissions associated uh, with agricultural production. So what was one of the potential solutions that you've developed? Yeah, so in this particular case, um, uh, we were investigating the use of Pivot Bio's proven, basically, their uh, designer microbes. Um, which fix atmospheric nitrogen in the vicinity of plant roots. And the idea here is that you could lower the amount of synthetic nitrogen that you add to these to our agricultural fields after you, uh, because you've, you're able to apply this um, uh, designer microbes, which fix nitrogen and, and enhance the amount of available nitrogen in the soil. And so uh, we were very curious about this product and what we wanted to do was test that product under very controlled environmental conditions uh, in our mesocosm facility. And so we've performed a number of growing seasons um, where we've evaluated that product. Um, And what we are seeing is that you can lower synthetic nitrogen application um, if you applied Pivot Bio and you can maintain yields and you see a relatively small reduction in the amount of nitrous oxide that's emitted to the atmosphere. We still have uh, ongoing work going right now. Uh, In fact, my students uh, today are actually um, uh, harvesting the crop in the mesocosm facility, and we're starting to look at the last set of numbers that have come in uh, for this experiment. And some of the data look like uh, in this final round that we are seeing um, uh, a reduction in the N2O emission to the atmosphere, but it seems kind of small um, relative to what we were hoping. Encouraging results, Tim, and I have to ask, with 
the selection of this product by Pivot Bio. Was this product chosen because there's nothing else like it on the market, or, or what went into that decision? Uh, I think it's the first uh, product that we uh, had become um, um, that had become available, and that we uh, sort of um, saw some preliminary results in other states. And so uh, that was a few years ago. And so we got excited about. Um, potentially using that product when we reached out to Pivot Bio and they've been very good to, to uh, work with us and provide their product and uh, provide feedback on our, on our experiments. So you touched on some results. What else should we be looking forward to as far as more data from the study and farmer application? Um, well, one of the things we have been doing is uh, comparing some of our results to others who are, who are, um, um, making actual field measurements out in the field. And I think we're starting to see some similarities in the um, uh, reduction in N2O. So again, um, sort of similar yields, but not a huge reduction in N2O, but a little bit, um, which is encouraging. Um, I think our next steps um, are to uh, using a sort of another year of data, uh, basically because of the variability uh, that we see from experiment to experiment. It takes quite a few trials uh, in order to get enough statistical power to evaluate um, if the product is, is working or not. So I think what we need to do um, is take a detailed look at um, our data after this final season um, coming up here. And I think we'll have a better understanding as to what is the true benefit of applying Pivot Bio's product. Is there much in the way of financial implications that you could share with us now? I mean, obviously, farmers are dealing with higher fertilizer prices. If you're able to fix more of that nitrogen, become more efficient, it's also good for the environment, as you pointed out. But at a certain point, farmers are, are thinking about the dollars and cents of all this. So is that going to be part of the equation? Uh, that is that is going to be part of the equation, especially, as you mentioned, uh, with um, uh, rising fertilizer costs. Uh, there's a potential real benefit here. If you can reduce your uh, synthetic nitrogen application by 20% because you've applied Pivot Bio, uh, that could be a real um, economic winner. Um, but of course, uh, it's hard to put the, the um, economic benefit in dollar amount on the um, reduced environmental impacts that you've had. Um, for example, reducing the amount of nitrate runoff um, reducing the amount of entro uh, to the atmosphere. Those things um, are difficult to quantify. And I think um, just small gains in those two, uh, two areas um, have a lot of, you know, uh, real potential impact economically, although it's hard to see the dollar amounts for the farmer. How would you summarize these findings? Um, I would say that uh, Pivot Bio has the potential uh, to reduce uh, reactive nitrogen losses, I think that their product is still improving. So for example, when we first started these experiments, um, their designer microbes, their application um, uh, were thought to increase the amount of nitrogen per acre by about 20 pounds. Um, and now the most recent product that they've been able to uh, engineer designer microbes uh, to get up to about 40 pounds per acre. And so if we can kind of continue to improve that product, uh, we might be seeing even greater, um, greater benefits. Let's also touch on the fact that this is research funded by Minnesota Corn and, and how important that is to work like this. 
Absolutely. So um, uh, they have been a big supporter of the Mesocosm Project uh, for a number of years, and it would be very difficult to pursue this uh, research uh, without that support. Um, so we're able to do about two to three growing seasons uh, per year within our Mesocosm facility. We're able to manipulate uh, key climate parameters, for example, the amount of radiation, uh, the amount of precipitation, and the temperature. Um, so doing that under controlled conditions in mesocosms allows us to uh, reduce some of that environmental variability that would be um, that you would have out on the field, which would uh, uh, you know make interpretation of your data more difficult. So um, it, it's a real benefit to us, and then we can take those results and then and then go out into the field and and try those experiments there. Anything else about this research that you want to make sure we include? Um, well, I think um, I think now uh, we're also exploring some other um, natural products. Um, so this whole whole area of research has opened up our eyes to some of these um, other ways of reducing reactive nitrogen losses. So, for example, uh, we started to explore using uh, procyanidins, um, which are basically uh, natural. Um, uh, tannins in plants, and there's some evidence that by using these tannins and incorporating that into soil, that we might be able to reduce N2O emissions. So I think this, the uh, the initial support has got us thinking about a whole variety of different ways that we might be able to uh, mitigate N2O emissions. Is there a place online where people could go to follow up on this study? There are um, quarterly reports that we provide uh, to the Minnesota Corn Growers Association. All right. Well, Tim, as we mentioned at the beginning, we're also going to preview uh, a project that I, I believe is beginning this year, and it has to do with freeze-thaw cycles and how those cycles affect nitrogen losses. And I don't want to jump the gun here, but I would think what we're experiencing right now here in spring uh, it would be timely. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, so this is a project that is just getting off the ground. And um Based on uh, measurements that we've been making within the region for the last decade or so, uh, we know that about 35% of nitrous oxide emissions uh, occur in the sort of March to April timeframe uh, during these freeze-thaw cycles. Um, others in, in, uh, in Canada have also noted that uh, up to 70% of nitrous oxide emissions from agricultural systems um, take place also during this uh, freeze-thaw uh, period. And so that got us thinking about, um, you know, this could be low-hanging fruit that we can go after and figure out um, if we can do something to mitigate those emissions, we could have a very dramatic uh, reduction in N2O emissions to the atmosphere. Um, and so uh, my collaborators, uh, Rod Ventura and John Baker and I uh, started thinking about potential ways of studying this in the Mesocosm facility. Um, studying this out in the field is, is very difficult. It's difficult to get equipment to operate properly out in those sort of conditions. Uh, so by bringing, um, uh, bringing these experiments into the Mesocosms where we can freeze and thaw the soil um, using chillers, we think that we might be able to finally get to the bottom of uh, some of the microbial dynamics involved in, in uh, these N2O emissions, but also come up with some uh, potential solutions uh, for mitigating those emissions. And so one thought um, that we're going or 
experiment that we're going to conduct here shortly is to uh, make use of cover crops. Uh, and there's two reasons for making cover crops. One um, is the excess nitrogen that might be in the soil after the growing season. And so you have that excess nitrogen that's available during the freeze thaw period. We'd like to uh, reduce some of that. But um, secondly, the uh, cover crop can act as a mulch or a thermal mulch from going through so many freeze-thaw cycles. The literature um, shows that as you increase the number of freeze-thaw uh, cycles, the, the number of times you pass through the sort of negative to positive temperatures, um, we can see that the N2O emission is enhanced or, or increased for those periods. So we're looking at very practical ways that farmers might be able to uh, address that problem and perhaps reduce a significant amount of N2O uh, emission to the atmosphere. So cover crops could be a solution. Any others that you've identified for potential solutions? Um, right now, the um, cover crop is one idea that we're playing with, but also um, there's also ways of, 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 of using uh, stover as mulch, for example. Um, anything that we can do to sort of decouple uh, the soil from the from the uh, radiation or energy budget at the surface um, will help. So, so the idea of using um, any kind of mulch at the surface could be a real benefit. You can also learn more by visiting mncorn.org.